Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, we were drunk last week. We're drunk again. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. My name is Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show. I am on Twitter if you'd like to follow me at jmartzone. I do the show out of Nashville, Music City, Tennessee. WGFXFM is the affiliate, Fox Sports Radio affiliate you're listening to right now, where I host a daily show as well. Our telephone number is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. I say it every week. I'm blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are as well. If that stirred something up in you, if you got questions, hit me up on Twitter at jmartzone. Would love to discuss it with you. All right. So there's a lot to talk about. There's some NFL stuff. There's Russell Wilson. There's the Green Bay Packers. There is some craziness with WrestleMania. We'll get to our wrestling segment in hour number two. Uh, this is WrestleMania Sunday, but we've also already had an incident, a real-life incident. Some of you are morons that think that that was actually staged. Uh, I know it's not nice of me to call you morons, but I'm so tired of the cynicism where everything, where you have to be able to see through everything and think it's fake. Yeah, it's not fake when a 61-year-old man gets attacked by a 26-year-old and that 61-year-old man had to retire back in 1999 from the ring because of brain trauma. They're not setting up a fake attack of that guy. That makes no sense. And that's why you saw they went away from the screen, came back to it, and you saw a former MMA guy, or actually I guess a current MMA guy, Ronda Rousey's husband, Travis Brown, pounding this guy into the pavement. And he deserved every bit of it and more. And we'll talk about it. All right, Virginia and Auburn. This is what every radio show will be talking about for the next 48 hours. Those that don't get on the air until Monday, they'll be talking about it Monday. It will be the lead. As good as the Texas Tech performance was to... Well, they let Michigan State back in the game, and then they came out 
and scored the last nine to finish it off. Virginia and Auburn, one and a half seconds left. Ty Jerome with a double dribble as he was being fouled. Everyone hitting me up saying, oh, what a missed double dribble. Yes, it was a double dribble that was caused because his jersey was being dragged. The referee did not call the foul, and so you can let him play. If you want to call the double dribble, okay, that's fine. Then 0.6 seconds left, Kyle Guy is fouled on a three in the corner. Dowdy, the player who fouled for Auburn after the game, said some not-so-nice things about the officials and said he did not foul. I'm here to tell you, Mr. Dowdy, you, sir, are wrong. You did. It's that simple. You might not like it. You might actually hate it. But you gave Kyle Guy nowhere to land, and you made contact with his legs before the ball had even left his hand. This was actually far worse than the call that doomed Tennessee and sent that Purdue game into overtime a few weeks ago with Lamonte Turner and Carson Edwards. This affected the shot motion. And certainly, as you're getting hit with your legs, as you're trying to let the ball go, that's going to register mentally. It's the right call. The NCAA's national coordinator officiating said he entered Kyle Guy's vertical plane. Now, I don't really want to say that the NCAA's national coordinator of officiating is someone that I want to go to here. I'm just telling you by the letter of the law, that is what they said in response to this. The no call and the double dribble again happened because of a no-called foul as Brown tried to foul Ty Jerome because Auburn still had fouls to give, still had one to give. They had just fouled in the front court before that play. But this is going to overshadow, and it already has, what was a great basketball game. And really, it's going to bail Tony Bennett, the head coach of Virginia, out because I don't know why with four fouls, less than five minutes left, You take Ty Jerome out of the game and then wait so long to get him back in. Ty Jerome was on fire for Virginia. He was the guy. Kyle Guy certainly made plays at the end of that game, but it was Ty Jerome that was really getting the job done all night long for Virginia. Now, he got called for the fourth foul. It wasn't a great decision by him to reach in from behind. But with the lead that Virginia had, double digits, okay, if you want to take him out, you take him out, but you better get him back in there quickly. He is somebody that should be smart enough not to get that fifth foul. He also doesn't have to play quite as aggressively on defense because of the lead and because he doesn't want to get the fifth foul. On the other end, he is an offensive weapon. They haven't had an answer for him all night long. As soon as they take him out of the game, Auburn goes on that absurd run. And then by the time they bring him back in, Auburn is red hot. Virginia's taking a couple of terrible shots. And then Ty Jerome has to come in and try to pull some heroics. And he ends up in that double dribble spot. And he also ends up taking a bad three about a a possession or so before. When he held onto the ball for the entire shot clock for some unknown reason and tried to go hero ball like he was LeBron James or Russell Westbrook and he missed everything on a three that was a terrible decision. Virginia tried to lose this thing three or four different ways. But what's interesting about this, 2019, if you had to say, what is the storyline in sports in 2019? To this point, I would say that the most momentous things that we have seen are going to be remembered for guys that weren't playing in games that were being played. Because they dictated a finish, whether you agree with the decisions or not. Now, certainly you can't argue 
that Saints-Rams, you can't argue that no call. That's the worst no call in the history of sports. That no call led to what we're about to see with instant replay changing in the NFL. For better or worse, and I still think maybe for worse, we'll see. And now you see Virginia slipping through the eye of the needle over Auburn. Then the second straight game, they've done it. The play that sent the game to overtime against Purdue is such a ridiculous... It's the play of the year in college basketball because of how improbable it actually was. And then for them to be down four after blowing a 12-point lead, to be down four with 17 ticks left and still find a way to win the game, you want to talk about escapes. I mean these guys are getting out with one second left on the clock out of whatever the escape game is in your city. They're not even being offered a t-shirt. They are being offered a lifesaver's mint and like, all right, well, we appreciate it. You had an hour to get out of that room. You got out in 59 minutes and 59 seconds. But the thing about it is style points don't matter. Virginia and Texas Tech is the game that's going to happen on Monday night. Auburn fans, not happy. Auburn was running this game in their own building down on campus and there were tons of people watching this thing, and they actually left. They all started to file out when the game was a four-point game with about 17 seconds left. Even with two and a half seconds left, people are still leaving, and then you see them celebrating. There's toilet paper rolls starting to hit trees, and everything then goes wrong for Auburn, and now they're done. And I will say this. You have to think that the NCAA exhaled and just may have done a double backflip because Bruce Pearl is not going to have a chance to win the national championship. And this is not some kind of treatise on whether or not Bruce Pearl is laudable or not or whatever. He's a really good guy. He's I've been part of interviews with him. He's very good with the media. He's a nice dude. He's a funny dude. He also kind of plays it real close to the line. And right now he has an assistant that's about to go to prison. And Auburn's been under investigation for over a year. And he lost his job at Tennessee because of what he did there. He is somebody that crosses a line, quite frankly. And so the NCAA not having to deal with potential issues with Auburn winning a national championship, I'm sure that they're happy with that. That is not me saying that that's why a fix was in, because a fix was not in here. The officials made... You can say made a mistake not calling the double dribble, or you can say what Ty Jerome did after the game, which is, hey, they were trying to foul me. They fouled me. They didn't blow the whistle on that, so then they let the double dribble go. And to me, that makes sense on a play on. If you're not going to call the one, you don't call the other. You might not think that was a foul. You might think you have to call that double dribble. You might hate the fact that with .6 seconds left, there was a whistle blown on a three-pointer in the corner. But there was a difference. People were arguing with me like crazy on social media tonight at Jmart Zone on my Twitter feed telling me that this was the exact same play that happened in the Tennessee game. False. And I didn't even say that that shouldn't have been called, but that one I could have argued you don't call. Because Carson Edwards, the ball was well out of his hands. And then on the way down, there was contact with Lamonte Turner. This, Kyle Guy was still in the shooting motion and his legs were sideswiped from the side. And the idea that Dowdy says, I didn't foul him, go watch the video. Because there's no question that you did. 
The question now is, should the three have existed, the opportunity existed, mainly because of the double dribble call? And that becomes the argument. So then I see and I hear media people saying, okay, well, we need to... I heard Jim Gray on Westwood One right after the game talking to a couple of officiating experts and then talking to some college basketball experts, John Thompson, former Georgetown coach among them, saying, look... We have to add instant replay on plays like this so that these calls can be overturned. Like this is the NFC Championship game and PI all over again. If you watch that play a hundred times, you could make that decision either way. That's the problem with this whole replay's going to fix it thing because it never does. Replay fixes it when everything is 100% in one direction and zero in the other. The NFC title game is one of the only examples we've ever seen where it's been cut and dry to that extent. Making judgment calls reviewable, especially like this, because of this, this is just the media trying to find something to talk about, trying to come up with some storyline that's going to fill pages and fill radio shows and fill television shows for the next three or four days. Can we find a way to review plays like this if you had reviewed it would it have been overturned was there indisputable evidence that that was not a foul absolutely not it was a foul first of all if you want to argue that it wasn't i think you're wrong but the fact that i think you're wrong means it shouldn't be reviewable because it's a judgment call it's not 100 percent. we don't make rules because of the worst case scenario and the worst thing that we've ever seen happen in the history of sports We now have PI reviewable. There's a bit of a precedent for that in the CFL. If it's done the right way, maybe it turns out to be a great thing for the NFL. But this one play that happened in the NFC title game, we've never seen anything that bad in sports, ever. Except when the fix was actually in with the referees. That was as bad a mistake as you will ever see an official make. This foul call was not. This foul call was not really disputable in my opinion, But just the fact that I have an opinion, if you think it was disputable, it doesn't matter. That means we are disputing that call. Disputing it means it's real hard to replay that. You kind of have to go with what happens on the floor. I hate it for the Auburn people. I hate that they got that close. That they lost Chuma and didn't have him in the last couple of games. And what a great run. And Bruce Pearl is one hell of a coach. And that team played their guts out. And they lost the game by one. They're not going to replay it, just like they didn't replay the NFC Championship game. And this doesn't mean that replay needs to change in college basketball because you think maybe don't blow the whistle in that case. That's a really bad argument. A really bad argument. 877-996-6369-877-99 on Fox. I'll let you hear from Bruce Pearl. Coming up next, we'll take your phone calls. Do you like that call? Do you hate that they blew that whistle? Or do you recognize that was clearly a foul that needed to be called? Do you hate the double dribble call? This was what everyone was watching. Well, I think it was. I don't know how it rated. You know, if you didn't stumble on these games, I don't know if you went out of your way to watch them, but at least if you're listening to Fox Sports Radio, you might have because you're a sports head like all of us. I'll bring in the crew as well, and we will discuss this. We'll also discuss the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge, which has a massive, massive impact on the Jason Martin Show this weekend. I'm not sure Iowa Sam and I are right now on speaking terms because we are in the midst of war. We'll be right back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, the Jason Martin Show rolling right along. Good Sunday morning to you, West Coast. You too, 1221. 321 in the East. WrestleMania's today. We'll talk about it next hour. Those that know me know I worked in pro wrestling for nine years and have written about it for over two decades. Host a weekly show, have for over five years here in Nashville as well. So we will talk about that in great detail, including tonight's news and the attack and the beatdown that was real. Knock off the cynicism and actually think about this before you make comments that reveal your lack of intellect. I guess I will say. 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. Ryan Bershinger, Iowa Sam, Brian Finley. In for Ralph Irvin tonight. They're spinning the dials for me radio style out in Los Angeles. So I said, look, the idea that you want to make plays like the call on Kyle Guy with .6 seconds left in the first national semifinal, in the final four last night, to make those reviewable is insanity to me. I understand the outrage after the no-called pass interference in the NFC title game. I get it, even though I will argue that the Saints still had a chance to win that game afterwards and weren't able to do it. But that's a call that you have to be able to make. But then you change the rules based on something we've never seen before. You changed a rule based on the single worst thing we've ever seen happen and the most cut-and-dry missed call we've ever seen happen. I also find this interesting. This is a little bit different, and then I'll get to your phone calls, John and Scott. Hang with me. I was thinking about that tied run play and the and the the double dribble that either wasn't called or wasn't called because of a foul. You may be angry that it wasn't called. 
It's interesting because the only other time I remember something like that happening in such a big game, it happened in a bigger game, and it led to a mistake not by the officials, but by the player who got away with it. And that was Chris Webber, and Chris Webber was not named a Hall of Famer as I thought maybe he would be, and he will get in. He deserves to be in, I think, no question about it. One of my favorite players of all time, as a matter of fact. Loved him, especially in Sacramento. Just absolutely loved his game in the NBA. I think he's a pretty good analyst as well. But Chris Webber traveled before that infamous timeout that Michigan didn't have in the 93 final against North Carolina. And that was sort of in the open floor. It wasn't quite to midcourt. But I remember Billy Packer losing his mind because it was clear as day that Webber took an extra step and forgot to dribble. And I think in all that fracas and then the coach on the side telling him to call a timeout they didn't have, it led to it. And then you saw the same thing with Ty Jerome. Those are the only two plays I can remember at that spot in the floor where something, it felt like the refs may have missed something crucial. One led to Weber making a mistake. The other one led to the foul call and Kyle Guy stepping up. And it takes some serious sacks that clank to step up to the free throw line and make three if you're Kyle Guy, who had not really shot any or shot many all night long, Virginia didn't shoot many free throws in this game whatsoever. Guy nails the first two. Pearl calls that timeout, comes back out, casually makes the third one, and then the ball game comes to an end. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Let's go to John. He's in Indianapolis. He leads off tonight on the Jason Martin Show. John, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Uh. I, I, I guess I'm just disputing the fact that uh, you said that he got fouled prior to him double dribbling. I think that they had let physical play go on, you know, throughout the game that the double dribble wasn't induced by uh, any contact. He just clearly dribbled off the back of his leg. Now, when they tried to foul him after the fact, um, I think, yeah, he was fouled. But most of the time, referees, for I referee in high school games, most of the time you get a lot of referees that get caught in the moment. So that's the the human error aspect of it. So that, I mean, was it a double? Yes, it was a double dribble. But, I mean, you really can't say that the game hinged on that. Now the foul with the three-point shot, that was clearly a foul because you have to have, he has to be able to come down. And I believe that in those critical do, moments. Wait, John, do you agree? do you agree with me that, uh, the ball was not even gone. Like this wasn't nearly as bad as the Tennessee Purdue call, which I also I think that you could have argued that one. This one you couldn't. I mean, Kyle Guy's legs got sideswiped underneath him. Oh no, he was clearly as he fouled. Was finishing he, the shot motion. He was clearly fouled. You know, he couldn't come down. And you seen when the body because the contact was made below. He didn't touch yes. him up top. The contact was made below. So therefore, you can't say that. I mean, it was just clearly a mental error. And I think that. And those critical points, those would determine good coaches and great coaches. He had his team prepared, and he just made a mental lapse, just like in the Tennessee-Purdue game. You know, you made a mental lapse, and that's what cost you the game. I mean, it's unfortunate. I appreciate the call, John, and I appreciate your expertise as well coming from the referee side. The Ty Jerome thing on the on the double dribble, you can call the double dribble I think it was interesting that Charles Barkley didn't realize it was a double dribble. Even after he saw the replay, somebody had to tell him, and then he said, oh, okay, well, I didn't even recognize that was a double dribble. Obviously, if you're an official, that's something that you should know, and that's a huge call, and if it goes back to Auburn there, they probably win the game. And I say them, I I don't want to say them's the breaks, because that's not going to make Auburn fans happy. 
there have been some terrible officiating in college basketball for the last handful of years, especially in the NCAA tournament. When you get to this level, the guys that are doing the Final Fours, they shouldn't be making mistakes like that. Ty Jerome was probably fouled and they didn't call it. The double dribble happened and they didn't call it. And then they did call. And he's right. There was physical play all the way through this game. The problem, though, is you let them play and then you see something egregious and you call it. Maybe you've missed a couple of things that are egregious after that. What you do want is consistency in officiating. I don't know that you got that here. I do think that that call should have been a foul in the corner on Kyle Guy. Scott in Minnesota. Minneapolis, of course, is where the Final Four is being played. Let's go to Scott. Scott, what's up? What's up, man? I was like two blocks down the street from the games tonight, uh, gigging. Uh, first off, let me just say, as a fellow wrestling fan, happy WrestleMania Sunday to you and all the other fellow, uh, or, you know. Amen female version of fellow um, <laughs> you know sports entertainment fans out there um, second let me say that it's an honor to uh, get to talk to you two weekends in a row uh, I got to talk to you last weekend on my way home from work you were kind enough to take my call uh, and you're doing it again really appreciate that I'm a big Jonas fan I'm picky with my sports talk guys and you're crushing it two weeks in a row great job thanks man um, thank you man I appreciate it, it means yep. a lot all right, so now the the reason I called in is I, I had a, a thought on the comments that the kid who got called for the foul made afterwards that you were sharing. I forget his name. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, you shared the comments that he made after the game, and it seemed to me like he was pretty jaded on it. Um, you know, and, and to me, my take on that is he's jaded not because it was a bad call, but he's jaded because he was on the losing end of the sure. player mentality. And, and what I mean by the player mentality is it's really stereotypical, especially today, for for competitors to not want to win because they let the other person lose, but they want to win because they made the other person lose. And so he played defensively. He played that shot as tight as humanly possible. And if he would have just played it, been humble enough to play it two to four inches looser, where you're still playing it tight, you're still playing good defense, but you're humble enough to let the guy miss instead of insisting on making him miss, um, you know, then you don't put yourself in that position where a call like that can be called, uh, you know, and you win the game and you're on to the championship. Um, so I just, I, I feel like his, his, his comments after the game is, is the result of, like I said, that, that player mentality of, I don't want to let them lose. I want to make them lose. Um, you know, so that was my take on it. Um, but again, That's thanks for taking my call. Really appreciate it. No problem, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Maybe we'll talk to you again next week. Maybe we'll pull a a three weeks in a row deal, a trifecta. But, I mean, that's an interesting point. Um, It's tough to think that you're going to let Kyle Guy miss because Kyle Guy often doesn't miss. If you recall, I said Duke wasn't going to make the Final Four. And I laid out why, and it was because of their three-point shooting. And because when it came down to it in the final minute, R.J. Barrett would not be able to stop himself. And for whatever reason, Coach K has not done what he needed to do to make sure the ball's in Zion's hands. And so Duke loses. And I said that if you want to win in college basketball, I said this last week, this was one of one of my larger topics last week here on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. I said that to win in college basketball in 2019, one of two things has to be true. You either have to be a great three-point shooting team or get red hot. Or you better play suffocating, almost embarrassingly boring to watch defense. What are we getting on Monday night? 
We are getting the two best defenses in the country, the two most stifling defenses in the country, and probably, you would fear at least, first one to 50 could win this game. I mean, UVA averages 60 possessions a game in 40 minutes this season. They go boa constrictor, and they hold on to the ball. Thank goodness there's a shot clock in college basketball. If Tony Bennett were coaching in 1975, Virginia would win games like 8-4 to four because they would just hold on to the ball. That's what they do. UVA, when they let Auburn back in, when Ty Jerome was out of the game, they weren't holding the ball either. They were taking bad shots. They weren't running their offense. At some points, they were holding the ball, and they were holding it and not moving it. You have to move the basketball around, and they weren't doing a great job of that. But you have to do one of those two things right. If you really look at this, Auburn in this game, and I'm not going to suggest, look, because they had a chance to win it and because you can argue they should have won it because of the double dribble call, this is not a perfect argument by me. But Virginia shot 7 of 19 from 3 in this game. Auburn shot 9 for 31. Auburn took 12 more threes in this game because that's what they do. They live by the three and die by the three. They took 12 more threes and they made two more than Virginia did. Virginia shot 37%. Auburn shot 29%. Auburn went to the line and made 11 of 14. And Virginia was uncharacteristically not good at all and was 6 of 12, only 50% from the line. But overall, Virginia took four less shots than Auburn. They took 12 less threes than Auburn, but only made two less. So they were more efficient offensively. And Auburn probably had a lot of those threes challenged. They were taking them late in some of the shot clocks. And another thing that we are seeing again, I will get to after we go to Brian Finley. We're going to go to him now and get uh, get the latest. But I want to talk to you about these final fours being played in these giant buildings and what it does for shooting percentage. Let's go to Brian Finley first. Brian, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jason? Matt Mooney sculpted a masterpiece in the Final Four on Saturday. His 22 points with four three-pointers. Power Texas Tech passed Michigan State 61-51. Tech into the NCAA championship game for the first time in program history. Mooney praised Raider Nation after Saturday's win. It was crazy in there. Uh, you know, our fan base, you know, they've been with us since day one, uh, since we got here. And, um, you know, I know they were supporting last year and they've been amazing. I know flights to Minneapolis and tickets and everything was so expensive. But for them to come out here a long ways away from Lubbock, I know a lot of people that drove like 16 hours and it just shows the support we got. And um, we're, we're so thankful for that. And those long distance drivers may know something about online car shopping and that it can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Meantime, on the other side of the Final Four bracket, Virginia sidesteps Auburn 63-62. Kyle Guy sealed it with three made free throws with .6 of a second left. And the Cavs are into the NCAA title game for the first time in program history, just one year removed from being bounced to a 16-seed UMBC. Championship game is Monday night at 9.20 Eastern. And the Naismith Hall of Fame released its 2019 class on Saturday. Notable inductees include Sidney Moncrief, Bobby Jones, Jack Sigma, Paul Westfall, Teresa Weatherspoon. No Chris Weber. That caused some debate. Might have been a mistake. Back to Jason Martin now in the Geico Fox Sports Studios. 
He will get in, Brian. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And I wonder whether or not the Weber thing has anything at all to do with the scandal at Michigan. Or if it is just maybe he doesn't get on get in on the first ballot, but he will get in later because he certainly deserves to be there. But maybe he's not like a unanimous guy or a guy that's just a, a complete no-brainer. They're going to make him wait for a little while. He won't have to wait for very long. This is the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio, 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I am the aforementioned Jason Martin. I am, you know, they're in Minneapolis for the Final Four. Year after year, now that they're playing these gigantic buildings, I always think two things. One, there's a good chance we're going to see some bad shots, and it's just some awful depth perception because of the the space behind the two baskets that's so empty with all these people everywhere because it's so different than what these guys are used to when they generally play. And the second thing I always think is, man, I bet there are some terrible seats in those buildings. Because instead of a 100-yard field, you have a 90-foot court in a lot of these places. I remember they were in Texas and Houston, and they would show like the wide shot, and it felt like you were getting it from a blimp. You were so far away, but they were actually you know, right there. The hard cam was positioned deep, but there were seats over there as well. It's amazing to me. And you see some of the worst threes, some of the worst free throw shooting. You see a lot of very bad basketball from an offensive standpoint because a lot of stuff's clanking because guys are not used to the space behind those goals. It's a it's an interesting way. I grew up when they were playing in places like the Kemper Arena and smaller buildings that felt more like basketball facilities. But now, if you can sell the tickets, they're going to put them in there even if it's going to harm the basketball. And maybe it didn't. I mean, these two games ended up being... You know, the first one you could argue, I mean, people were calling it a classic. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I don't know that the game was that high level played, but it was definitely a very good basketball game. Hard fought game. Five seed Auburn came within one point and maybe one no call double dribble or questionable call foul. I don't think it's questionable at all. I think you absolutely have to call that foul. And Virginia escapes for the second straight game. The way they got past Purdue, the way they even got that game into overtime is. I think 538, I think it was like one in less than a thousand that they were actually going to be able to pull that off. And if you did it, I think Tony Kornheiser said this on Friday, he's right. You could do that. You could practice that same play on an empty floor without a defense, and you'd still only make it like one out of a hundred times. It was insane. It was a perfect pass, and Diakite made it an absurd shot to get that game into overtime. So Virginia escapes Purdue, beats them in overtime, of course, and then they get by Auburn today. So they've escaped twice. And a lot of times, most champions go through some level of adversity, and then they're able to go through. And what's interesting to me is you kind of could think that same thing about Duke. I said that last week. I said, look, you only have so many chances to beat Goliath. Virginia Tech failed at it, and Central Florida failed at it when they had layups. Two of them would have beaten Duke. One would have sent it to overtime. And then Michigan State got the job done because R.J. Barrett's the one taking shots, and Zion doesn't touch it in the final minute. In the three Zion losses that Duke suffered this year, where Zion actually played, Duke, uh, R.J. Barrett was 0 for 9 in those games. Zion Williamson only took one shot in those three losses in the final minute. And R.J. Barrett took nine and missed every single one of them. That is why 
I said weeks before the NCAA tournament started that I didn't care how good Duke was on paper. Their inability to shoot threes would bite them at some point, and R.J. Barrett would bite them. And that's what happened. But now you're looking at a Virginia team that escapes and a Texas Tech team that almost let Michigan State come all the way back dealt with an injury, and then they put that guy back in the game, Owens, when he came back, and he didn't seem to be quite the same player then, and maybe it actually messed up the rhythm a little bit because they actually went on an even bigger role after he got hurt. Everybody just started stepping up, and Moody was just absolutely out of his mind from three. There was a straight-up heat check from the left elbow about five feet beyond the three-point arc. Absolute, just Just drilled this shot. It was not a good... It's something that you... If he misses it, you're like, what in the world is he actually thinking? Shooting that, and then he makes it. That's how I felt about half of Carson Edwards' shots last week in the the game that sent uh, Virginia to the Final Four. There have been some awful threes taken. One of my predictions going into the tournament was we'd have a record number of three-point shots taken in this tournament. I don't know what the record is. We have to be approaching it. I have to be close to right about this because that's what college basketball has become even though the two teams remaining are two teams that just play stifling defense, which is probably going to make for a fairly boring game. Virginia and Texas Tech don't really have a national name to speak of, either one. It's not going to attract the fans that the Blue Bloods would have. But Auburn made sure that North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas were all out, and Michigan State went ahead and eliminated Duke before getting eliminated by Texas Tech. Chris Beard, how in the world is he at Texas Tech after Monday, win or lose? Unless there's some skeleton in his closet we're unaware of in terms of recruiting violations or something that we just are totally in the dark about, I can't imagine he's going to stay in Lubbock. Maybe he is. But, I mean, that team made it to the Elite Eight last year. Texas Tech. That's a football school. Pat Mahomes. They kept showing him in the stands. That's because there's no basketball players really to show that have played at Texas Tech that are going to move the needle. They've had some talented people. Remember Andre Emmett several years ago? He was there, I think, when Bob Knight was still the coach. But Chris Beard took that team, a football school, to the Elite Eight last year and now to the national championship game. And this is a one-point spread right now for Virginia. Virginia is a one-point favorite. And I think that regardless of who wins, neither one of them is going to blow the other one out. They're not made to do that. They're both going to play defense, hardcore defense. They're both going to hold on to the ball. And it's probably going to be within four, maybe within six points. But I think it's probably even closer than that. Most people have it somewhere between two and four. Vegas has it at one. But the Auburn situation, you feel sorry for them because they came so close. It looked like they had it. And you hate that it came down the way that it did, but they got that call right, folks. I'm sorry. If you disagree with me, let me know. 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. Up next, the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge. Not many remain... But two people on this show are still in the mix for the big prizes. We will discuss next. Jason Martin Show rolls along here on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Final segment, hour number one, the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone 877 on Fox is how you join this program. And Discover. They're going to alert you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. That's pretty dangerous, so it's good that they do that. It's free for card members also. Just sign up online at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. All right, Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge. Iowa Sam, get to the microphone. Yeah, baby. It's you and me and Dan Beyer. And right? Lee DeLapp, who is... And Lee DeLapp. I forgot about Lee DeLapp. He picked Tennessee. Somehow he's still in it. He picked Tennessee because he was the only guy. So we had 44 Fox Sports... Let's just call them Fox Sports uh, Radio family members, all right? Yes. Guys all over the... Far and wide over the network. Lee DeLapp was the only... A guy, he leads a producer here at FSR. He was the only guy to pick Texas Tech in his championship game. He had Tennessee over Texas Tech, but he did get those points so he can finish as high as second place. And you, my friend, are is sitting pretty because you can both, you're guaranteed to at least get in second place, tie with Lee, and you can win the thing. Very That's right. Cool. And, and Dan Beyer can get in second if, uh, if he has... Uh, you would be first. Dan would be second if uh, you know because you both had Virginia over Michigan State. So if Virginia gets those points, you and Dan are in first and second respectively. Like you're technically in first right now, but you can earn no more points. I can't because but I, you picked yes. Michigan State to win the championship. So I am Team Texas Tech. If they win, it negates the points that obviously Virginia would have given to you guys, you and Dan. Yes. Um, so I would be the champ if Texas Tech wins, but I cannot win second place. But uh, it is fun. It is very exciting to be on uh, on top of the mountain right now. It was uh, a steady climb from the first weekend up to now. You know, Texas Tech and Gonzaga, I was close to pulling that one, but I picked Gonzaga over Texas Tech before the tournament. Had I gotten that one right, I don't think this would be a debate right now. And it was interesting because originally when they sent out the email, they said I couldn't lose, I could only tie for number one, and then they realized, no, you're actually in front. And that like brought me down because I was celebrating with my girlfriend earlier. <laughs> well, yeah. After Virginia escaped and, and Texas Tech won, I'm like, all right, well, at least I've tied. 
And now it's like, no, I've still got to pay attention to this game on Monday night. Yeah, you're still sitting. I mean, you're sitting in a great position because you can. We have several prizes for first and second, and you can basically you're you're at least yeah. Gonna I'm, get something. I'm in second. Yeah, I'm in second no matter what. Yes, yes. And you may tie so, with lead a lap, but uh, you know, and there's pride at stake. So there's you can already claim some pride from the FSR bracket bracket challenge. Yes, I'm. Uh, I am pulling for Virginia which is going to make my father happy because he grew up a Virginia guy and he and I went to Virginia games growing up when I was living in Martinsville where I was born. And so it would be really cool to see that. He would be super excited about it. The Texas Tech story is fascinating to me that they have actually made it this far with this team and they did it on a night where really their star didn't show up. He didn't play very well at all in that game and then he was he was totally picked up uh, by Mooney but Culver did not have a good game Culver I think was on with uh, Arnie Spanier and Aaron Torres a little bit earlier on tonight and he seems like a really nice kid and a good interview as well I really enjoyed that segment but he didn't really I mean he just didn't play well he had 10 points and he really had nothing until last bit but he was three for 12 from the field and just three for six from the free throw line didn't have much of an impact on the game at all But when Mooney shows up and goes four for eight from three, including three for five from distance to open the second half and kind of build up that first sort of big advantage that Texas Tech had, and he gives you 22, then you can overcome that, especially when you're defense. Watching them play defense, like Virginia's defense makes more sense to me because I've watched Wisconsin for a long time. It would infuriate me to have to play against Texas Tech. When they swarm everybody with the basketball, there I heard Bernie Fratto say this last hour on Straight Out of Vegas. There is no space, zero space when you catch the basketball to do anything with it. Texas Tech, they're more of a boa constrictor than Virginia is on the defensive end. Virginia is just going to lull you to sleep. Texas Tech is going to beat you down and pound the ball out of your hand and they're athletic and they're going to get out and run if they have to. They're not going to necessarily hold on to the shot clock the same way Virginia is. I am, look, I got Virginia winning, but I'm scared to death of Texas Tech. I really want to win this thing. I desperately want to win this. I don't want to have to come here next week and like proclaim Iowa Sam. Like I can't, uh-huh. I can't take this. I, I can't give you credit for this. This is not what I need. Like, I've been blessed with so much, including the start of this show kind of out of the blue over the last month, but I can't go down to Iowa Sam. I need UVA to finish this thing. I really, really do. we got to talk Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Mania next. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center. Center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days. 
but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hour number two, Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you. Well, you know this. 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. This is the Jason Martin Show. I am Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Ryan Bershinger, Iowa Sam. Brian Finley, who I'm told is now our guy. So that's awesome. They are the trifecta spinning the dolls radio style for us out in Los Angeles. 877-996-6369. on Fox to join us. And I heard Brian talking about that defense. He said 32% shooting. The Cavs fighting it's- on... And I looked it up. 15 for 47 was Michigan State from the field in this game. They were 14 of 18 from the free throw line. Imagine if they hadn't been fouled quite as much. Good gracious. And we were kind of just sort of ballyhooing during the break. Virginia's defense, we kind of know what that's going to be. We've seen that for a while. We've watched it at Wisconsin for a long time as well. This Texas Tech team is on something else like texas tech's defense to me i would rather play against virginia's defense than texas tech's right now there is something about the way they swarm and slap at the basketball and just make you take the worst shots on earth consistently i i don't know how west virginia beat them the way that they did in the big 12 tournament when they were up like 28 to 9 the Mountaineers, and it's just not a good team for bob huggins this year usually he, he has a lot more talent i imagine he will reload and be fine going forward. But Chris Beard's team is 31-6, and and I don't know that anybody has given them anywhere near enough credit. Going into the tournament, I thought that Houston was the three seed nobody was paying attention to, that nobody even realized how good they were. And look, Houston was good and almost beat Kentucky, and who knows how far they would have gotten had they done that. Maybe they would have beaten Auburn. I don't know. But Texas Tech is a three seed nobody thought. Nobody was talking about it all, for the most part. But... All they've done is dispatched Gonzaga, dispatched the best number two seed in the tournament in Michigan State, who easily could have been a number one seed that just dethroned Duke a week ago. So Texas Tech is flying, and they're playing good basketball. Virginia has sort of escaped twice in a row, so either they're due to show up and just play the Virginia-level basketball, the highest-level Virginia basketball, or Texas Tech is the hot team coming in and you don't want to be Virginia. Because of the way these two teams play, you don't expect either one's going to run away from the other one, and no lead may either be safe either. But even with the defense that they're playing, I, I would be surprised if this thing even gets to double digits at any point in terms of an advantage for either team. It just seems like it's going to be played very closely, very tightly, and we'll see how the officials call it. That may determine it, honestly. Are they going to let them play, or are they going to be very 
more, I would say, aggressive with their foul calling, if they are, that could be just doomed for this game. You don't want this game to just be whistle after whistle after whistle for both teams. You want to see it have some kind of flow. And it's tough for a Virginia game a lot of times to have flow. Texas Tech, it can be tough too because there's a whole lot of stops and starts and there's a whole lot of air balls being shot by opposite teams that then go flying out of bounds and stop the clock. Not exactly the sexiest matchup. Could turn out to be a tremendous basketball game if you like fundamental defense. Hopefully they're able to shoot the basket. I I would like to see both of them. I'd like to see them get in the 60s. I don't know if they can. I mean, these two games tonight, Virginia had the highest score of the four teams at 63. They scored 63. Auburn scored 62. Texas Tech scored uh, 61. And Michigan State scored 51. This is a low-scoring Final Four. The buildings didn't help, but the defenses were elite in both games. You had defense that was elite for Virginia, defense that was certainly elite for Chris Beard and Texas Tech, and that takes us to where we are. So Tyler Dunn, this is totally different, but Tyler Dunn wrote this piece about the Green Bay Packers for Bleacher Report that is as good as I've read a sports piece in a while. Uh, For the Bleacher Report magazine, you've seen it now. Everyone's been talking about it for a couple of days. What happened in Green Bay? A checked-out coach, a tuned-out quarterback, a soap opera where there should have been a dynasty. And those who saw the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, wreckage up close say we didn't know the half of it. And he was on with Cowherd, was Tyler Dunn. And I read through this, and it made no one look good. It made Mike McCarthy look like somebody that you wouldn't want as your head coach. It made Aaron Rodgers look like exactly what I think most of us have come to believe Aaron Rodgers probably is. A know-it-all prima donna that holds insane grudges. Mike McCarthy was there in San Francisco when they took Alex Smith over him. He never forgot it. He hated him for that. All of a sudden, he's a numbskull and a bone, you know, bonehead and doesn't know anything about the game, doesn't respect him. He confides in people and continually tells them that Mike McCarthy's the worst coach he's ever had at any level of football and doesn't understand football at all. Both of these guys are so focused on trying to get all the credit That's another thing that comes out through this deal. They are just relentless about them being the one that was responsible for the Super Bowl or anything else. And that's generally just not going to work. This is a team that they say, that's what Tyler Dunn says, this should have been a dynasty. I don't know that I necessarily say that it should have been a dynasty, but I did think, and I've said this on this network a number of times in various capacities that Mike McCarthy and the Packers seemingly have wasted much of Aaron Rodgers' career to the extent that now you're bringing in a Matt LaFleur who I don't know whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to respect Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur was here in Nashville with the Tennessee Titans last year. I saw that up close and personal as I covered that team and was the host of the Monday Night Titans show for the Titans flagship. And I was unimpressed He did not unleash Derrick Henry until the second half of the season. He made some very questionable calls late in games, one that cost them the game, I would say. At least if he had, if it was his play call and his decision making, cost him the game against the Chargers in London, made a couple of other decisions that didn't seem good. I didn't think that he made particularly good adjustments either. He did not use Mariota's strengths when Mariota was healthy. There was just a lot left to be desired. And he had never called plays before. He was somebody that would, when he was working with Sean McVay, 
he basically, or rather when he was working with Kyle Shanahan, he basically would stand there and he would say, okay, all right, there's this personnel on the field. And he would tell them that. And he would look at game plans. But he wasn't a play caller with the Rams at any point. And then he was asked to be the play caller, and then he gets this job in Green Bay. How exactly, based on this article from Bleacher Report, Aaron Rodgers has no respect for you if he thinks he's smarter than you. How in the heck do you think that Aaron Rodgers would look at Matt LaFleur and say, well, that guy's smarter than me? Matt LaFleur is a smart guy, and he understands football. I talked to a coach that's been in this league for decades, an NFL coach that's now in the media, and he described me, I asked him, what's the difference between being an assistant coach in the NFL and then stepping up and becoming, or like an offensive coordinator, which is what Matt LaFleur was last year for the Titans, and then stepping up to be the head coach in Green Bay? What's the difference? He said, J-Mart, here's the difference. The difference is, assistant coaches, coordinators, you know football, and that's all that you're asked to know. Anybody that has those jobs understands football. They know X's and O's. That's how they got those jobs. The difference for a head coach is, a head coach has to be good at everything else. Yes, you have to do ball, but you also have to understand organization. And you have to understand structure. And you have to understand administration. And you've got to know who you can trust, who can keep you know, various charities and things like that sort of under wraps in terms of, okay, well, you can make this appearance and this appearance, but there are gatekeepers that keep information from getting to you. The assistant coaches and the coordinators just sit there and run film, come up with plays, and that's all they're responsible for. And the head coach is basically everything else. Ball is the last thing that they are concerned with because they have people underneath them doing that. I have no idea whether Matt LaFleur is going to be able to handle that part of the job or not. Maybe. But he's going to be doing that around a mid-30s quarterback that's known for being ornery and difficult to deal with. And who this article, I would say, if you don't agree with everything that this article says, I think it's hard to dispute the idea that Aaron Rodgers does appear to throw his teammates under the bus when he's on the field and they do something wrong. The way he emotes, the way his body language moves, you can tell who screwed up in his eyes. And I don't think he's ever believed he ever has. And so he and Mike McCarthy didn't like each other, weren't able to win, struggled. And you've got Mike McCarthy maybe getting a massage. I don't Who even cares? Mike McCarthy will probably end up with another job, but this was a toxic, toxic environment. And you've got people on both sides. You've got the people that love Aaron Rodgers and think that a lot of what is being said is sour grapes from players that maybe didn't have the best relationship with him on the way out of town or had some kind of an axe to grind and that was the story before this piece came out as well and it was the same guys it was greg jennings who had talked months ago it was jermichael finley who had talked months ago because that led to jordy nelson standing up for aaron Rodgers and saying what those guys are saying is not the aaron Rodgers i know well Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson were very, very close. Jordy Nelson loved him. Jordy Nelson went to Oakland, was the number one receiver for the Raiders, and now he's out of the league. And he was unhappy, and he wanted to get out of there anyway. So Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we can't gloss over the fact that he had no contact with his family, and there was all that talk about Olivia Munn and how she didn't want him around various people in his family and how she was controlling his life. There's a whole lot of smoke surrounding Aaron Rodgers that has nothing to do with what he's doing on the field. But him changing every play call whenever whenever he feels like it, that doesn't seem like it's out of line. It seems like something Aaron Rodgers, you would almost expect a guy that gets the level of respect he does for the way he plays the game and the level he plays the game 
that that's something that you would probably expect him to do. I assume that most great quarterbacks change a whole lot of the plays. But this seemed to be almost spiteful in the way that he would change the plays. But if you want to classify this as a marriage, for example, which I heard Clay Travis do earlier this week on Outkick the Coverage, quarterback and coach is kind of a marriage. Well, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers never went to counseling, and the only person that could help them go to counseling was ownership and general management that failed on every level. And so now you've had a lot of wins, but only that one championship for Aaron Rodgers. And that leaves the Skip Baylesses of the world plenty of room to talk about how Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Aaron Rodgers is a part of the problem. The way that Tyler Dunn ends his article is he says, yes, if Aaron Rodgers is part of the problem, that may be true. But Greg Jennings also says he's also a big part of the solution. And Greg Jennings is one of the people that's most sort of negative about Aaron Rodgers in this entire story. I read this and I wonder, is it just Aaron Rodgers or are there a lot of quarterbacks that feel the same way and are seen the same way by people in their locker room? Not everybody in your life is going to like you, folks. If you go through life and you can't deal with people criticizing you or disliking you or booing you if you're in the public eye, then you're in a lot of trouble. There's a lot of people right now that hate the fact that I'm on the radio. That's cool. I understand that. And there are a lot of people that like me and I appreciate that. Whatever. You're entitled to your own opinion. But Ben Roethlisberger, we've heard those stories. Him and Rogers are the two guys that you think about. Philip Rivers, it seems like everybody likes playing with Philip Rivers. Drew Brees, to me, might be the complete exception to the rule where nobody ever says anything about bad about Drew Brees. And even if you hate the Saints, you probably don't hate Drew Brees. I don't like the Saints, but that's because I don't like Sean Payton because he rubs me the wrong way. Drew Brees does not rub me the wrong way. Drew Brees seems to do everything the right way. He seems to be sort of the antithesis of Aaron Rodgers. People want to go to work with that guy. They want to, they want to root for that guy. And maybe it's because he's a little bit smaller and he had to fight his way in. But Aaron Rodgers dropped in the NFL draft and had to sit behind Brett Favre and deal with that mess before Favre ended up leaving and Rodgers finally got that job. So I don't know how much of the way he entered the league has sort of dictated it. But one of the more intriguing things is that Tom Brady is also a guy that, you know, he gets into arguments on the sidelines. He's gotten into shouting matches with Josh McDaniels. He has argued with, you know, teammates and things like that on the sidelines. He can be demonstrative and seem like he could be difficult to deal with. But I talked to Joe Andruzzi on Radio Row, who played with him, who knows him really well. You know, he, he hangs out with his teammates in the offseason. He sees them. He spends time with them, Andrewsy included. Their families know each other. They go there for barbecues. The only thing Tom Brady doesn't do is do a whole lot in public. He just lives his life. He cares about his family. He cares about his friends and his teammates and loves playing football. And that's it. Aaron Rodgers may love playing football, but Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, has much of a relationship with many of the folks on his team outside of game day. But how many quarterbacks out there do you think in the NFL out of the 32 teams are quarterbacks that are fairly unapproachable and aren't the most popular people on their roster? How many of them believe in their own hype and no one has the hype of Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback except maybe Tom Brady active in the league? And because of that, if Aaron Rodgers wanted to grow an ego and wanted to be super arrogant and super hard to deal with, then the media has given him that rope. The fans have given him that rope. 
because they have glossed him as the greatest, most talented quarterback to ever play, even though he only has one Super Bowl. So he says, well, if I'm that great, then who is the reason that we're losing? It's clearly not me. Oh, it's Mike McCarthy. It's interesting. It's a fascinating article if you haven't read it. It's like 10,000 words, so it's going to take you some time. If you haven't read it, you should. 877-996-6369. on fox is our telephone number. What did I tell you last week? I told you that the AAF would not be around in a year and the XFL will be next. Spring football is not going to work. I will lay this case out again in case you missed it the first time. Some disagree with me. You're wrong. We'll be right back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Little GNR, I like it. I'm Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox to join me. Interesting conversations happening during the commercial break tonight. I like it. I'm excited about it. It's the middle of the night here. It's three twenty two where I'm at in Nashville. Four twenty two in the East. One twenty two out there on the West Coast. If you're leaving the clubs, thanks for joining me. I said this last week. I said the A. I said I didn't care about the AAF. I actually lamented when I was in for Jonas before this actually became somehow blessed by God. This became uh, the Jason Martin Show. I said. And Jonas and I joked about it when we were on OutKick together that it was absurd that the AAF had power rankings because who cares? And CBS was putting out these power rankings. And it was funny to me, and then I thought about it. Well, of course CBS is putting out the power rankings. CBS is trying to make this a thing. CBS and Turner were part of the deal, right? So, of course, they've got their writers trying to prop this up. But 
when the AAF suspended operations, and this is before those ridiculous stories about guys having to fly home and their belongings being outside of hotel rooms. And I mean, the AAF was a complete calamity. It was. It was Keystone Cops out here. I told you it was not going to work. And I'm telling you the XFL is not going to work unless Vince McMahon feels like bankrupting himself and he's already put over $250 million of his own money that he sold in his AAA-level WWE stock here in the last month just to try and get the XFL off the ground. I don't understand why, because it's going to be a failure again. Maybe because he hates that it didn't work the first time and he can't understand why something he's come up with has not worked. We'll talk about WrestleMania here coming up in just a little bit. But I tweeted out that I wasn't rooting against the AEF. I did this a couple of days ago. But that I had no interest in watching it because I didn't think it was going to work. And Alex Marvez, who's a friend of mine who I've had on my shows, and certainly he's on OutKick every week, and he's all over Fox Sports Radio, who will actually be on, I believe, uh, the show that follows us, Furman and No. And he replied to me and he said, you know, he thought I was wrong. He said, you know, spring football can work. But it seems like that this costs a lot of money to run. Right. It costs a lot of money. That's why it doesn't seem viable. That was my whole thought to begin with. Because what it costs to start up a league that could potentially matter is problematic. If I had the opportunity to open up something that I knew would work, and this is the argument that I continue to go to, and it's a Chick-fil-A franchise. When's the last time you went to a Chick-fil-A that didn't have a line or you had to dodge 50 cars entering and exiting? If, you have, if you're lucky enough to have a Chick-fil-A around you, I know there are places in the country that might not. But all those places make bank. They are constantly busy. So if I had a chance to open one of those franchises, I know from day one, okay, I would be profiting real quick. So there are sure bets in this world, and then there are flat-out dumb bets. And so Marvez says, you know, this costs a lot of money to run – And what he told me about the possibility of spring football working reminded me of a a different analogy. And you're going to have to bear with me here because this is very imperfect, and I'm not saying that these two things are equated. I'm saying that the argument that is made about both of them is. (laughs) And here we go. This is the Jason Martin Show. This is the kind of thing we do. The analogy is socialism. Socialism fails every single time it's ever been tried, and it results in some really bad stuff. Power ends up centralized in very few hands, often just one at the expense of everybody else who thought that this was going to be kumbaya. And you get bread lines and poverty and, unfortunately, a whole lot of deaths and and just nasty stuff. But there is an argument that proponents for socialism will say every single time that it fails. And every single time that they want to see it replace capitalism or replace whatever the economic system is, the political system is in that country, they will always say this. And I want you to think about this as it applies to spring football and the AAF in particular. They will say that the reason socialism has never worked before is not because it's inherently flawed or misguided, but the reason it has not worked is because it's never been done right. If only the concepts were applied correctly, this thing would work like gangbusters. We would have this perfect utopia, and this would be the end of the 40-year-old virgin. We'd all be out here singing the age of Aquarius, skipping around on clouds. But the problem, ladies and gentlemen, with socialism is that it does not work because of reasons I'm not going to get into. This isn't really the forum for that debate. But the best possible results of socialism 
still end up in misery. And like I told you, that's a really extreme example. But when you look at the XFL at the turn of the century, the AAF this year, and yes, next year's XFL, that's what it reminds me of because the argument's the same. And it's similar to what Marvez said. And I'm not trying to say anything negative about Marvez. Marvez is a brilliant guy, a friend of mine. I love him to death. I'm just using it to contextualize this argument. But the argument is, it seems to be, for those that are still trying to defend it, if only it was done right, it would work. Folks, let me tell you something. No, it will not. Because as much as we love football, we love good football. And by the time we get to the end of the NFL postseason... We're just a few weeks away from the start of the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments. Baseball is about to start. Stretch run of the NBA season. The start of the NHL playoffs. And minor league football just doesn't cut it. What name out there is going to move that needle? It's not Tim Tebow long term. It's not Johnny Manziel. He was in the AAF. Didn't matter. Maybe a few more people paid attention. I didn't care. These are novelties that are going to wear off in short order. Because the football has to be, across the board, watchable, it has to be entertaining, and it's not. Because the problem in starting up a league in a sport that already has a defined and successful pro rank and an extremely successful college rank is this. And you cannot escape this reality as it relates to the AAF and spring football or new leagues in football that matter. None of this feels like it matters. None of it. It feels like an exhibition. I mean, who cares who the champion is other than Steve Spurrier, who said that his team won, and that's awesome for Steve Spurrier. But you can't make me care. There are so many escapes available for my entertainment eyeball and dollar. There are so many sports out there to pay attention. Why why exactly am I going to choose mediocre football? And what Alex tweeted me directly was, I don't think it was lack of interest that did the men. I think spring football is viable. The fact the AAF had good TV clearance was positive too, but it's very expensive to start up, and I'm told by people close to the situation the costs were significantly higher than projected. Okay, my issue with that argument is how is that exactly a surprise? I mean, of course the costs were higher than projected. You are opening, you're not opening a dry cleaner. You're not opening some mom-and-pop convenience store. Like I told you five minutes ago, Vince McMahon sold off a lot of his WWE stock, he still got around 40%. He's not going to step down from ownership of WWE, but he needed to pour $250 plus million into the XFL. And I hate to say this, because everybody says, oh, we need more football. No, we really don't. Spring football's not interesting. As much as you love football, how many of you would be excited to watch last year's Arizona Cardinals even? How many Cardinals games did you want to see? Or the New York Giants? Or the Jacksonville Jaguars? How many Thursday night games through the years, even though they got better last year because Fox made a good decision as it related to putting on better matchups and flexing in some good stuff? But these are NFL teams that you don't want to watch. So take that and then make it where there's maybe two or three guys on a game, like between the two teams, that maybe you know of or care about. And somehow that is supposed to be viable. I care more about college spring practice observations than I do AAF at any point, or XFL, or arena football, or anything else. You know, it's weird because I talk about sports for a large part of my living, 
And sometimes I have to sit there and watch these games and realize it never ends, that this year's champion, there's going to be another one next year, and it's going to continue. It's just another season. It's all futile. It doesn't matter in the larger scheme of life. But why we watch sports, one of the reasons we love it is because we're able to live vicariously through these athletes and these coaches and these teams and these storylines, and we're able to have this joy in triumph and this real disappointment in defeat. And we're also able to share that with a group of fans that agree with us and smack talk the ones that disagree with us that follow somebody else. And that's why it's such a great reality show and such a great entertainment escape. But there's already so much that's established in the football realm, you just can't make me excited about something else. And I feel for the AAF because you can't compete with the NFL and you can't compete with college football. It's like Crackle TV trying to compare itself to Amazon. I mean, Amazon Prime right now is still trying to get anywhere close to what Netflix is or even what Hulu is. And Hulu is still trying to get to where Netflix is. So take it and you think of the NFL as Netflix, maybe college football as HBO with Game of Thrones, or AMC when it was totally on a roll, or maybe you could say with The Walking Dead, or FX when it was totally rolling, whatever it is. What exactly is the AAF then in that argument? Probably a network you've never heard of before that shows a bunch of like ghost hunting shows. Now they brought in some smart football people, and they pushed really hard to make it matter, but it still didn't matter. And this is what I said to a couple of people a few days ago. I said that there was a show on CBS several years back. It ended a couple of years ago called The Good Wife, starring Juliana Margulies and Josh Charles and several others. It was a a solid drama. It didn't do great ratings, but it did pretty good ratings. It was a critical darling. It won some Emmys. The Good Wife came to an end. It was a terrible finale, but that's neither here nor there. Do you know there's a spinoff to that show? Have you ever heard of it before? It's called The Good Fight. The Good Fight you probably haven't heard of because it's on something called CBS All Access, which is a streaming CBS network that is separate, that you have to pay separate for from the CBS network. You might know CBS, but you don't know CBS All Access. So if you watch The Good Wife, maybe you know about The Good Fight if you were that big a fan, but 90% of people have no idea that The Good Fight even exists. So how are you supposed to get traction if you're the AAF, that becomes more, I would say, the problem here. And I've got more on this, but let's go to Brian Finley first, and I'll come back and I'll finish this argument. Let's go out there and get the latest. Brian, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jason? Matt Mooney glows in the Final Four. He pours in 22 points with four three-pointers to vault Texas Tech past Michigan State 61-51. The Red Raiders, that unrelenting, back-breaking defense, held the Spartans to their lowest-scoring output of the season. After the game, Tech head coach Chris Beard gushed over Mooney's play. He's obviously very, very talented, but the thing that really impressed me tonight was just his courage you know just to be able to make those big plays and want to be in those moments and uh, when Culver was um, I'm not gonna say struggling a little bit I think when Michigan State was focused on Culver so much uh, Matt had the courage to step up and take those shots and he's making plays on both ends I love his poise um, tonight. He's a special player. Although online car shopping can be less than spectacular, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On the other side of the Final Four bracket, Kyle Guy had the confidence to nail three free throws with .6 of a second left to rally Virginia past Auburn 63-62. Here's Guy in the postgame. These are um, moments that 
you know, every basketball player has dreamed of, you know, hitting a game-winning shot or free throws or whatever. I kind of had the, that feeling in your stomach, like a good nervousness, like, all right, this is my chance. And, you know, to be able to go to the national championship off of that for these guys and Coach Bennett, I mean, I, I really don't have the words. Perhaps nor do the college basketball fans who watch this program turn a loss to a sweet 16, or rather a 16 seed, I should say, last year into a spot in the NCAA title game for the first time in team history. Back to Jason Martin in the Geico Fox Sports Studios. Appreciate it, Brian. Welcome back to those Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. You can go to geico.com. That's the website. Or call 800-947-AUTO. That's your phone number. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Hour number two of the Jason Martin Show. I am Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 877-99 on Fox. So I've been talking AAF here in this segment, and we will talk pro wrestling. We may wait until hour three today since it is WrestleMania Sunday. But we will. I definitely have plenty to say about that show and about pro wrestling in general, including John Oliver's 23-minute treatise on WWE on HBO six days ago. But I want to finish this argument about the AAF. And I continue to say, look, how it gains traction is the problem. And not just AAF, but any spring football league. Because you don't have the NFL players. You don't have the players people want to see. And I wondered when the AAF and the XFL were both going to exist, what exactly were the XFL going to put out there if the AAF was already as mediocre as it was from a talent standpoint? But in terms of traction, when I first first started doing podcasts, and this was before I was working at a radio station, before I even went and finished my degree at uh, Western Kentucky in Bowling Green, I was hosting podcasts. I was hosting a pop culture podcast with a friend of mine that's now an improv comic in South Carolina. And I remember a couple of people in media that were around me because I worked in pro wrestling, so there were some TV people and things like that around. They said, hey, have you ever heard of the Young Turks? The Young Turks, certainly I don't agree with them very much politically, or at least I don't think I do, but they have a podcast network now, basically. They've been able to grow, and they grew through YouTube. And the way that they did it was they posted these podcasts and YouTube videos for like years and years and gained no traction. And just through sheer attrition and the passion to just keep doing it over and over again, finally somebody started to notice. And then a whole lot of people started listening because eventually things start to roll downhill. And then our, all of a sudden their political and social opinions got big. The Young Turks became kind of a force on the on the liberal side of the aisle and they got fairly big. So it can work, but the difference between something like the Young Turks and something like the AAF is mm, hundreds of millions of dollars of upfront investment. I said Vince McMahon is funding the XFL. I'm not rooting against that working or the AAF working or anything else. Even if I don't care, I still love the idea that people have more places to work. They have more places to go try and fulfill their dream. They get a second chance. Maybe a few of them, like the the guy that got signed to the Chiefs, a couple of them end up making it back to the show, making it back to the league. I have no problem being wrong on this, but I have never, I don't think in my life, felt more right about a sports take than this. Spring football is just not going to work, and it's a really simple why. As much as you think you want more football, as much as you think that there is a market for this and that this can work if it's done right, which is where I go back to the socialism argument, The problem is this, what is needed for a new league to survive and to sustain the first handful of years is going to 
be so heavy in terms of a weight that it is just going to bear down and crush whoever it is that tries to make it happen. And the whatever it is, whether it's the AAF or the XFL, which I think will not make it either, they're going to fold before they're able to learn how to breathe. They are going to choke and suffocate trying to just stay afloat. It's like they're learning to swim and they're thrown in the deep end and there's already sharks there. One of those sharks is Roger Goodell. The other one is the NCAA. There's just nothing here that makes it work. Without NFL Players Association support, which doesn't look like it's coming, without help from Roger Goodell, who doesn't really have any necessary incentive to help a spring football league, it all feels DOA, or maybe even dead before arrival. XFL, I, I, there's no chance that this thing is going to work. I saw people saying, well, the XFL wins because the AAF folds. I guess it'll be the only league in town when it starts up next year, but it's also going to drop like a stone this same way. As laudable as this idea is, it is a bad idea. Sorry to say that, but I know I'm right. Iowa Sam, what you got? So whatever happened to that, what was it, $250 million at the uh, Carolina yeah. Hurricane? Where where that money go? Because that's a lot of money. That's a really good question. That's a really it, good it didn't, question. It didn't go to the hotel rooms for the players. or I mean, it didn't go to the plane tickets uh, for the players to get back home. It, it, what was it, for venues? For Where, where did that money go? Is it just That's gone? a fair question. Did he lose? Yeah. Tom, was it Tom? Um, Tom Dundon. Tom Dundon. Did he lose 200, did he lose a quarter of a billion dollars is what I want to know. Is it just uh, evaporate? Yeah, that is a very, I don't know the answer to that, but he's the one that ultimately came out and said 48 hours before it shuttered, look, I think this league, we may have to shut this thing down if we can't get union support from the NFL that we can sign young players and all this stuff practice squad and and it, it never looked like that was going to happen this league looked totally independent of the NFL I saw some just nonsense headline from somewhere I can't remember where it was that said AAF hopeful competitor to the NFL folds competitor to the NFL in what universe but you're right. A quarter of a billion dollars. I hope that he did not blow it that well. I know he owns the Carolina Hurricanes, and they may be the most entertaining team in the league. Uh, not on the ice, but just what they do with their dunk contests and all that stuff that raises the ire of Don Cherry. And I'm going to stand on any side that's not on Don Cherry's side, at least on this side, considering he made his entire living being a sideshow, and he's angry at a sideshow in the NHL. This is the ultimate get-off-my-lawn moment. But... The AAF never had a chance. I don't know why people actually cared. I was right about this. I'm not somebody that toots my own horn all that often unless it's just dead right. This time I was dead right. I've said it over and over again. These games weren't worth paying attention to. This league wasn't going to survive. Now, it didn't even make it to its first championship game. How was the XFL going to survive? Maybe because Vince is willing to go bankrupt to keep it alive to try and prove that he is good enough to keep a football league alive? I don't know. I kind of doubt it. We'll talk more about Vince McMahon in Hour 3 when we're talking about WrestleMania. But this spring football idea, can we just stop with this already? We honestly don't need more football. You know what we love? We love football ending and saying, oh, I can't wait for more football. Then by the time it comes around, we're salivating for it and we love it. Less is more. I used to think three-hour movies were great. Now, less than two almost always is better. Shazam, which I reviewed a few days ago, uh, 132 minutes, 
would have been far better at 112. Ten years ago, I would never have said that. But less is more. And it's true. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. We don't need football 12 months out of the year, especially if it's not high-end football, and this was not. We'll be right back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'll let that Hendricks breathe for a little bit. Finishing up hour number two, Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Of course we are. Also... Need to tell you about our good partners at Discover. Discover alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And it's free. Totally free for card members. Just sign up online at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 877-99 on Fox is our telephone number. WrestleMania's today. We'll talk about that next hour. I'm already ready like my two favorite sporting events of the year arguably in terms of just viewing experiences one of them is this coming week it's the masters the other is the u.s open both are golf tournaments i love the difficulty at u.s open i love how the masters looks on tv when we get to see it and i will probably be doing this rant in a much longer form next week and that is i hate the fact Unless something's changed, and maybe I need to look it up, but I don't think it's ever going to change because this is how Augusta works. I mean, we remember that Hootie Johnson whole deal. The idea that we don't get to watch this whole tournament in 2019 when we can watch everything, like we can watch every lacrosse game, we can watch every USC you know, crew performance that doesn't star Lori Laughlin's children. Like we can watch all of this stuff. 
but we can't watch the premier golf tournament in the world, all of it, because the Masters restricts the viewing. And people always argue with me and say, no, this is part of it. It's They only show a couple of hours and all this. For what? Why? How on earth is that even okay? I know you can go, you can watch Amen Corner, you can go to Masters.com. This thing should be on TV wall-to-wall. Who is not sitting there, if they can, and watching as much of this tournament as they as they can instead of, no, CBS's coverage can begin at 2 or it can begin at 3 Eastern time or Thursday and Friday, it starts at 4 o'clock. Every year, it drives me insane because this is such a wonderful event. We all love it. It ends up being super dramatic on Sunday. Sunday's going to be the greatest day in the history of the world when it comes to just stuff to watch and stuff to do because you're getting Sunday at Augusta and you're getting the final season premiere of Game of Thrones that night. So you'll see whoever wears the green jacket, and then within an hour, we will travel to Westeros for the for one of our final six installments of Game of Thrones. And I'll be writing on each one weekly, and we are going to be doing a segment on the Jason Martin Show every Saturday, talking about the episode that just happened and previewing what's going to happen next. Pop culture is a large part of what I do. I've written about it for a long time, so we're going to include that and do more and more of that going forward. I want to talk about Killing Eve. I don't think we'll get to it tonight, but it premieres tonight on BBC America Season 2. If you have not watched Killing Eve, Season 1 is on Hulu. That and Succession were by far the two best new shows last year. Barry is also on that list. But Killing Eve is the best new show, I think. It works for women. It works for guys. It's got absolutely everything you want. So go ahead and set the DVR. Go to Hulu and watch season one of Killing Eve. You want a quick review, a quick thing to watch. That's what it is. When we come back, Virginia wins. Final hour. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. A lot of you corresponding with me that way. Glad to have you with us wherever it is that you are. 5 a.m. in the east now. Maybe you're waking up on a Sunday. And 2 a.m. out there on the west coast where my crew is. That's Ryan Bershinger, Iowa Sam, and Brian Finley, who's now with us permanently. That's awesome. They're the trifecta spinning the dials radio style for us. I don't know what John Roach just tweeted me. I'm trying to understand his tweet. I guess I'm not going to comment on it. I'll have to read that again and see what it is. I don't know that he's a fan. That's all right. That's cool, buddy. Hope your life's going well. Virginia's life is going okay, but boy, oh boy, is it tight. We talked about it in the first hour. Virginia escapes Auburn. That's the story of the day. I know Texas Tech won, but Texas Tech won by 10. And the controversy, as soon as it happened, I'm sitting there watching it with my girlfriend, and I tell her, well, my show's done as soon as we get to the end of this Virginia game because the storylines that center around the foul that maybe should have been called for Ty Jerome right before the double dribble that also wasn't called, and then the foul that maybe should not have been called in the eyes of some on Kyle Guy's three from the corner with .6 seconds left. And then Kyle Guy steps up, nuts up, and makes all three free throws, and Virginia escapes. The second game in a row they've escaped. A play that just had almost no chance of making it somehow did make it. And then they slip through the eye of the needle again, and now they're in the finals playing against Texas Tech. And this game, folks, on Monday... Is going to be a defensive thing of beauty. It is not going to be a thing of beauty, though. 
I don't think. Maybe we're wrong. You know, sometimes all oh, this is going to be a defensive battle and it's like 40 to 35, and I'm talking about in football. I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see a lot of long possessions and a lot of bad shots at the end of shot clocks because nobody can get free, and we might see a record number of shot clock violations in this game. But I do think we're probably going to see a close game. May not be a high-rated game, but even though there's no star power in it, if you're a college basketball fan, it is cool to see some new teams here. Virginia would be what a story Virginia would be. The 30-for-30 already wrote itself because they're the first number one to lose to a 16 last year in UMBC. Everyone other than Mike Francesa knew that. And then this year, if they were able to go from losing in the first round as a number one, the only team to ever do that, to then cut down the nets the next year, I mean, to call that rags to riches is kind of incredible. And Kyle Guy actually said after the game, because they keep saying they always bring up last year. And they asked him again, they're just like, you know, how does this make you feel about last year that now you're right here on the doorstep? And Kyle Guy says, they asked me this question after every single game in this tournament, and I'm looking forward to you asking me again on Monday after we win. And that's it. The story writes itself. Texas Tech is a football school that made it to the Elite Eight last year and is now right there. And Chris Beard, I can't imagine how he's going to be able to stay in, in Lubbock. I don't know how they can keep him there. Unless there is something we don't know about Chris Beard, that dude has to be near the top of almost every list. Buzz Williams, that was a fantastic hire by Texas A&M. Here in Nashville, Jerry Stackhouse got hired by Vanderbilt. I don't know how to comment on that because I don't know whether I don't know anything about Jerry Stackhouse. There were radio shows here in Nashville that talked for hours about Jerry Stackhouse, and basically all they said was, well, we don't know if it's going to be a good hire. That should give you about two seconds of radio commentary. That's what it just gave me. That's all I've got to say. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Stackhouse is a smart guy. Really smart guy. Smart basketball guy. I have no idea whether or not he's going to be able to coach in college basketball. He's been an NBA guy and a G League guy. He won the championship in the G League in 2017. He's never recruited in his entire life. Uh, Who knows? But Chris Beard, I think we know. Texas Tech to the Elite Eight and then the year after to the championship game after beating Gonzaga and Michigan State on the road there? I'm very curious to see where Chris Beard is in a couple of years. If he's still at Texas Tech, I don't know how they kept him. But it's very, very impressive. And I I said in the first hour, I think the Texas Tech's defense is actually maybe better than Virginia's because it's so much more... It's more frantic. Like Virginia is Virginia is like the calculated killer. Texas Tech is the eccentric killer that you can never figure out exactly where he's coming from. They've got three guys surrounding the ball. They're slapping at the basketball. They're rejecting you left and right. You've got no space when you catch the ball. Bernie Ferrado said that on straight out of Vegas right before I came on it too. It's just it's amazing watching this Red Raiders team play defense. I would rather play, I think, against Virginia than Texas Tech right now because of the way Chris Beard has them playing. But because of the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge where I picked Virginia to win the national championship before the tournament and I win this entire deal if Virginia wins, then I'm hoping that the way I feel tonight where I'm just terrified of Texas Tech being able to win this game only because of my bracket otherwise you know whatever i'm not like rooting against texas tech even though i grew up in virginia and went to virginia games as a child 
But I just want to see a good ball game, and I want to see a decent shooting percentage and not a bunch of air balls and threes that go out of bounds and bad free throw shooting and shot clock violations and all that. This is not going to be a very pretty game. But Auburn gets to the doorstep as a five seed, and they go down, and there's controversy. And now there's people saying, oh, well, now we need instant replay in college basketball so that plays like the foul at the end that was called in favor of Virginia could potentially be reviewed and revoked. That's absurd. And it goes back to the fact that two of the biggest things that we've talked about in sports in 2019 are this game and the way that it ended, and certainly the big call or no call in the NFC Championship game with the Saints and the Rams. And the Saints and the Rams led to DPI and PI being reviewable. And I have kind of looked at that and cringed a little bit because I just hate the idea that rules and regulations are made for the worst case scenario. That's not how you're supposed to live your life. We've never seen a play that was that cut and dry, that black and white, that obvious. No one disagreed. They blew that call. They knew it. The NFL knew it. Both teams knew it. Everybody watching knew it. If you'd never watched football before, you probably still knew it. Everybody knew it. We've never seen a call that bad, and that changed the rule because of that. And we will never see another play that's that cut and dry that is that missed ever again. This, to suggest that you should be able to review a judgment called foul in a college basketball game in a crucial moment, is ridiculous. Because if you watch it a hundred times, you and I are going to come to a different conclusion because it was a foul. You might say it shouldn't be called, but it was a foul. So you're going to say, all right, we're going to go review this to determine whether or not they should choke on the whistle? No. If I think it was a foul and you don't think it was a foul, but we can argue that, that should not be reviewable just because of that. The fact that we can argue about it means it is a judgment call, which means you have to go with the judgment of the people that are paid to make those decisions. If you want to go back, maybe you want to review, I don't know, the double dribble at that point. I don't even know how you can do that because play continued after that and things happened. And are you going to go back beyond the double dribble to where Ty Jerome was arguably fouled because they were trying to foul him because Auburn had a foul to give? Bruce Pearl even pretty much intimated that. He said, you know, this was not about these final calls. He didn't like the fact that it was a physical game, and then they called that at the very end. But he also said, you know, there was some crazy stuff going on there in the end. And what he was referring to is the fact that his team had a foul to give, and they were intentionally trying to go and foul Ty Jerome. And after grabbing his jersey and fouling him in the backcourt, that's what led to the double dribble. So the officials did not call the foul, which backs up the idea that it was a physical game and they were letting him play for the most part. And then they didn't call the double dribble that resulted from said foul. It was a missed call, yeah. But would you have liked them to call the foul first and then had Virginia inbounded after that? Or do you like the fact that neither one was called? The three in the corner, you've got to call. This is not the Tennessee-Purdue game all over again because Kyle Guy didn't have the ball completely out of his hands. He was still in the shooting motion when his, you know, his legs were hit by Dowdy. And Dowdy said, I didn't foul him. Dowdy's wrong. Maybe he had not seen the replay by this point. I don't know that he had a chance to see this play, 
But he said, I didn't foul him. Yeah, you did. I mean, you ran into him. You leaped into him. He had nowhere to land. And before the ball left his hand completely, while he was still extending his arms for that three-point shot, you know, his lower body was changed. So even if you want to say from a mental standpoint, he's all of a sudden feeling this, and that's going to throw the shot off. That affects the shot. That is a foul. You can try to argue that it should have still worked because they shouldn't have had the three anyway because of the double dribble, but I think then you continue to go back and say maybe you called a foul that would have negated the double dribble in the first place. That's the problem. How far back do you want to go to prove this? That Aaron Rodgers article with the Green Bay Packers, one of the things Tyler Dunn talks about is how far do you want to go back to where the problem started with Mike McCarthy? You want to go back to 2017 or this game in 2015 or this argument in 2014? Or do you have to go all the way back to when Mike McCarthy was with the San Francisco 49ers and they went with Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers holds grudges? And never lets them go, so he always thought that Mike McCarthy was an idiot for that, hated him because of it, and was always out to get him. Like, do you have to go all the way back? And that's the same thing here. Every single call, how far back do you want to go where you think that there was a missed call that might have changed this game? That's why you can't replay all of this stuff. You can't do it, especially in a game with Virginia or Texas Tech playing because it's so hard to get into any kind of flow watching these two teams. And people tried to argue with me and said, oh, Virginia's so exciting to watch. Look, they've played some very close basketball games, and they're tending to do that most of the time because they're a defensive team, which means the margin for error is smaller, and the margin of victory is generally going to be smaller because they're not going to score as many points. They average 60 possessions in 40 minutes of basketball, does Virginia. That's just the way that it is. So they win by one, or they go to overtime against Purdue. They don't blow teams out consistently maybe that's what's going to happen against texas tech that would stun me that doesn't that does not seem to add up not on my end i'll tell you what does add up though something we have not talked about tonight and that is russell wilson getting paid if anybody deserves all his money and i know we already talked about aaron Rodgers and all the stuff of the packers last hour but somebody that does deserve every penny is russell wilson we will discuss that next also Wrestlemania Sunday our wrestling segment here on the Jason Martin show coming up 877-996-6369 that's 877-99 on Fox back in a moment here on Fox Sports Radio we're live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios we're brought to you by Discover Discover alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites it's free for card members just sign up online at discover.com slash free alerts limitations apply I put up this poll a long time ago talking about bands in the 90s that were releasing albums around the same time and it was like smashing pumpkins pearl jam alice in chains stone temple pilots nirvana and you look at all of their second albums and it was kind of their second albums that made them and then the question was which was the best like how would you rank these and if you looked at all of that it was alice in chains it was dirt that we just heard from smashing pumpkins with siamese dream that was their second album gish was their debut Pearl Jam put out Versus after 10. Stone Temple Pilots uh, put out uh, Purple, which had Interstate Love Song and Vaseline and uh, was pretty much an instant classic. And Nirvana's second album was a little thing called Nevermind. This was when sophomore albums were just outrageous. And it was interesting looking at that. Pearl Jam, I think, came in last. And I think if you had been talking about the first albums, they assuredly would have come in first because 10 is one of the great albums 
of the last 25 or 30 years. And Versus was good, but Versus was overshadowed big time by a lot of other sophomore efforts from other bands that were still on the come up at that point. And Stone Temple Pilots was always like, oh, they're a Pearl Jam ripoff. They're really not. Just because Scott, the late Scott Weiland had a voice that sounded like Eddie Vedder, they were not the same band. They didn't sound like the same band. But I think it's interesting. Maybe I'll put that poll up again sometime. But it's it's amazing what those sophomore, what all those bands were coming out of the sophomore records around the same time. That was kind of a a really different, very unique time. And of course, my favorite band, if you know me at all, is Radiohead. And, and Radiohead put out the Bends right around that same time. And I would take that over all of them, even though I love all those records. Also love Russell Wilson. Now, Pro Football Talk earlier this week said, you know, Wilson's not going to hold out. He said he's going to be present for every workout, but he's going to shut this thing down April 15th uh, in terms of negotiating with the Seahawks. He's entering the final year of a four-year, $87.6 million deal he signed in July of 15. And they have had some negotiations. He's the 12th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Now, when he signed his last deal or when they arranged it, he was the second highest behind Aaron Rodgers. And that deal just hasn't survived because the quarterback market has changed. And this time, he wants to get paid, and he wants to get paid in a way where he's still going to be one of the highest paid players for a while, even after some of these other guys go through the factory and get paid themselves. He's a Super Bowl champion. He lost in another Super Bowl because of a decision not to run Marshawn Lynch. 196 touchdowns in 112 games. 75-36-1 is his record. Is that any good? And this, to me, is pretty impressive. Since he entered the league in 2012, Russell Wilson has not missed one start. Not one. At his size. And that was a big knock on Russell Wilson at one point. To me, that is remarkable. And it shows how escapable he is from the pocket when he's in trouble and how tough he is. And I would say that Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are kind of the test patterns, the blueprint, the guinea pigs that have gotten general managers in this league to start paying attention to smaller quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield last year and certainly Kyler Murray it looks like this year. And past that, Russell Wilson has been uber classy. He's won the right way. He's never been in trouble. He is unquestionably the face of that franchise. I think it was five years ago where Beats, Dr. Dre's Beats, did an ad campaign following the 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl. And it was the Aloe Black song, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. And it was Kaepernick and it was Russell Wilson. And it was both of them, you know, getting on and off buses and they're wearing Beats and there's, you know, spotlights and all this kind of stuff playing. And and it looks like they're both going to be the faces of the league. They're about to become megastars. And guess what? The NFL was right. At that point in time, there was no reason not to bet on Kaepernick. He looked like he was going to be a total stud on the field for a long time. And certainly he is a star for a different reason now, but it didn't necessarily work out for him on the field. And, you know, the Harbaugh experiment came to an end, and there were some other things that went on there. And then Kaepernick is still well-known for other reasons. But the sure bet certainly was Russell Wilson. Just like I talked about with the AAF, that was not a sure bet. It was a poor bet. Russell Wilson is the opposite. Because when you think of winner in the NFL, outside of maybe Tom Brady, Russell Wilson's the top of that list. But Tom Brady has Bill Belichick. Now Russell Wilson has Pete Carroll. But how many receivers, just like with Brady, Brady has gone through some big guys, though. They've had Randy Moss there. 
They had Wes Welker and turned him into a superstar there. They had Gronkowski there. Edelman has become such a just unbelievable player in this league. And you think about Russell Wilson not ever really having a ton around him from a receiving game. They had Jimmy Graham, but not at Jimmy Graham's best. Doug Baldwin is a vastly underrated receiver, but he's still Doug Baldwin. Curse. They've had guys that have come through there, but they have not had a whole lot for Russell Wilson. And all Russell Wilson does is win. And he throws the best, prettiest deep ball in the NFL. I think it's him and Aaron Rodgers, but I would take Russell Wilson's deep ball. Watch it. It's a thing of beauty every single time. And he was such a winner that the Seahawks bet on him when it came down to Russell Wilson versus the malcontents on defense. They let Richard Sherman walk. They let Michael Bennett walk. Others that were grumbling to Seth Wickersham of ESPN that this dude was getting special treatment and was the defense winning games while Russell Wilson's throwing for 90 yards. Without those guys, after they let them go, all that Seattle did was get to the playoffs and they ran the ball a lot. They didn't ask Russell Wilson to throw quite as much, but Russell Wilson was the one that was still finding ways to win games for him. Never the guy that's going to cause you to lose a game. And they go to the playoffs without all of this defense, without the Legion of Boom, and I think and contend they would have beaten the Cowboys had the game plan not been designed to take Russell Wilson out of it. It was run on first, run on second. Russell Wilson is third and nine. Go get a first down on an obvious passing down. And he still came pretty close to beating the Cowboys, even with that deck stacked against him. They inexplicably just run the ball over and over again on early downs, and then it's third down and long, and then Russell Wilson still finds a way to sort of make that doable. He's athletic. He's accurate. I told you about his deep ball. And now he wants to get a contract that's going to make him the highest paid player in the game, and he's going to get it. And Colin Cowherd argued a few days ago, here on Fox Sports Radio, that just like Tom Brady's attitude shifted after spending more and more time with Giselle, because Brady's opinion of his own value changed and it grew, Sierra is potentially doing the same thing for Russell Wilson. I think that's sort of abstract, but I do some abstract thinking as well, so it's, it's intriguing. Because the Seahawks know the same thing that Russell Wilson knows. He's worth every penny he asks for and then some. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. If we offered three first-round draft picks for Russell Wilson, I would jump for joy because he's that good. He's a culture changer. He's a winner. He's the guy you build around, and he's fantastic for the community. There was a lot of jealousy, I think, from that defense and all the things that were said because Russell Wilson didn't do anything wrong, and the team backed him over them, and they were right to do so. He busts his rear end. He wins games. He draws plays up in the dirt when trouble hits on the field, and he's a playmaker. And he appears to be a really good human being. So the Seahawks are going to pay him. Because unfortunately for the Seattle Seahawks, and this is true for any company, the most costly position to be in as a company is when you recognize the value of somebody who unfortunately for you also knows their own value. Because those people cannot be lowballed they will not be lowballed the idea is that person sits there and listens to you and they think to themselves oh you you want me you know i'm good you're willing to make changes and send this guy and this guy and this guy away to accommodate me you know you're telling me that the reason 
that your franchise is where it is is because of me, that I'm that, I'm that good to you. I'm that important to what you're doing. If that is true, then my pay must be commensurate with what you're telling me about me. And I know I'm good. I have that inside me. I have that confidence inside me. So you've got to pay me what you think I'm worth. And unfortunately, your cards are on the table and you have no leverage. You have no poker face. You've already given that up. So even if it's just for respect more than anything else, or if for no other reason than just for respect, you got to pay Russell Wilson. And they're going to pay Russell Wilson. I don't know exactly what he's going to get, but there's no way that they don't know what he knows, which is he's one of the best players in the league, and you can't let that guy go. You pay Russell Wilson. The Seahawks might have hoped, and maybe they've tried to franchise him. I don't think so. I think you get this done, and you thank your lucky stars that you drafted him, and you were able to get some cheap years out of him, and you have such a classy guy that just wants to get the money that he's owed. It's really that simple. Let's go to Brian Finley one more time, get the latest, and we'll come back and talk some WrestleMania. Out to Los Angeles, Brian, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jason? Matt Moody, one year removed from playing for South Dakota, steers Texas Tech into the national title game. Moody had 22 points, including four three-pointers, as the Red Raiders stymied Michigan State 61-51 in Saturday's Final Four. Keep in mind, Tech has gotten this far despite losing five of their top six scorers from last year's team. Makes you really appreciate Chris Beard's coaching even more. And, and Tom Izzo is now two and six all time in national semifinal games. In the other Final Four matchup on Saturday, Virginia guts out a 63 62 win over Auburn. A foul call put Kyle Guy at the line with 0.6 of a tick left. He made all three free throws to cement the victory. UVA, arguably, Got away with a missed double dribble call in crunch time. Could have made a difference for Auburn. The championship game is Monday night at 9.20 Eastern. Hey, online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the pro ranks on Saturday, the Nets blitz the Bucks 133-128. Brooklyn improves to the sixth spot in the East, while Milwaukee has already locked up the best record in the East. And the 76ers roughhouse the Bulls 116-96. Philly is third in the Eastern Conference. Now back to Jason Martin and the Geico Fox Sports Studios. Appreciate it, Brian. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jason Martin Show rolling along here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 877-99 on Fox. You want to join the show, that's 996-6369. All right, we're going to do this every week, and we're going to have more sort of structure to it, but right now I just want to talk some pro wrestling with you as it's a large part of what I have done in my life. I worked in the industry from 2000 to 2009. I've written about it for a couple of decades, and this is WrestleMania Sunday. It's the biggest day on the pro wrestling calendar up in New York. The weather is better than it appeared. looks like it's going to be raining and cold. Now it's just going to be, it's still going to be chilly because you're booking MetLife Stadium in April. This show is going to run a little over seven hours tonight. Main evented by Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair for both women's championships because for some reason Asuka needed to lose she should probably just leave and go elsewhere maybe she'll fall maybe she'll end up 
getting something, but it doesn't look great right now. It's interesting because Becky Lynch is going to win this match. They're not going to screw this up. But I keep thinking to myself, how is WWE going to screw this whole thing up? Because that's seemingly what they do from a creative standpoint, is fall on their face like they're a bad episode of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is a really good show. But my argument about it when I tried to review it on a weekly basis for Clay Travis at Outkick the Coverage on his website a few years ago was that the formula is always the same. It is these guys come up with a brilliant idea, screw up, almost have it stolen from them, fall on their face, and then somehow at the last second are able to pick themselves back up, succeed, only to fall on their face again. And that's what WWE has done from a creative standpoint. I have never cared less about a WrestleMania than I do this year. I'm going into this one fairly optimistic because I don't have that many expectations. And on paper, it looks like it's going to be a pretty solid card in ring. But this is sort of interesting, maybe to you, but it's Lent right now. I'm not Catholic, but I still give up something for Lent, or I have the last few years. And this year, I gave up non-spiritual podcasts. And so, you know, there are guys that I have on my show, guys that I know in the pro wrestling industry, and I listen to their stuff on a weekly basis, long-term journalists, and I haven't been listening to that stuff over the last four weeks. And what I've discovered is, without that, I've kind of checked out. It seems like, and maybe it's true for you, when you're listening to sports radio, I care more about the analysis and the opinions of others talking about the product than I do the product. I care more about their opinions related to mine than I do the actual product. And I think that that is a failure of WWE creative to make me care about what is actually going on. Again, I think this is probably going to be a pretty good show. But they're probably going to give us some things that screw up. Last year, WrestleMania became nothing more than a way for them to sell a Saudi Arabia show in a country that I don't think they ever should have been in to begin with. And this was before the Jamal Khashoggi thing that happened later on in the year, and they still went back after that. And one of the reasons they were able to declare the record profits they were at the end of the year is because of the Saudi Arabia money that was coming in. It is outrageous levels of money that they didn't want to give up so they found a way to keep going and they're going to go again i think the next show was in may they're going back to saudi arabia wrestlemania should not be a springboard to something else wrestlemania is the reward for the fans and the new wwe calendar begins the day after this is the end of this story it's the end of harry potter and the gobble to fire and then monday is the start of harry potter and the order of the phoenix And that's seemingly the way that it should be. Now, John Oliver's out here on HBO saying, oh, he puts on 23 minutes, and some of what he said is right, some of it is wrong, some of it wasn't fact-checked particularly well. The Armin Katayan thing that they showed with Vince McMahon, there are different versions of how that all came to be and how Roddy Piper, the late Roddy Piper, God rest his soul, was put in a really difficult situation and that Katayan kind of needled Vince and... I don't know what's true or not because everybody on both sides has some axe to grind. But one thing that John Oliver called for at the end of this HBO deal was an off-season for pro wrestling. That guys' bodies aren't meant to take the kind of punishment that they are. As somebody that worked in the industry and sat in rooms where there were tables in front of me that had pills on them that should not have been on them. 
because of all these painkillers. I don't know what to tell you, but an offseason would effectively destroy professional wrestling. It can't have an offseason. It doesn't mean that you have to work people to death. It doesn't mean that if you have a concussion, you shouldn't be out. I feel like the concussion protocol has changed, but you can't have an offseason. This is not like other shows. It has to be a continuing deal. Again, just like sports, I know that the NFL goes away, but there's something to replace it. There's nothing to replace the WWE with, but the WWE, unless you split the roster in half and use only half for half the year, give them the rest of the year off, and then bring in the other crew. You can't do that. So tonight it's real simple for WWE. Just do it right. Don't overthink this. Becky Lynch became a dynamo of a superstar late in the year because of her social media feed, because she became sort of a nouveau version of Stone Cold Steve Austin with the company not knowing how to write her properly. So she's got Ronda Rousey, who's never lost in the WWE, and Charlotte Flair, who's kind of been the chosen one as she's Ric Flair's daughter and she's a superstar in every way and a wonderful person, Ashley is. Becky is the dynamo. This show should end with her victoriously holding up two championship titles. If they don't do that, they're going to upset people. They're not going to upset them in a good way either. This, You just got to get this right. The few things that you need to get right on this show are Kofi Kingston, after all that he's gone through, needs to leave with the championship and beat Daniel Bryan, and Becky Lynch needs to win. I don't think Seth needs to beat Brock. I don't necessarily think he will. And then a lot of these other matches that look really good on paper, you can do whatever you want. Batista and Triple H is going to be entertaining because those are two pros. At their age, they know their limitations. So there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. If you watched the Santa Clara WrestleMania 31, four years ago, or however long it was, uh, that Sting-Triple H match, that's what you're going to see again. You're going to see a match that is very light on a lot of heavy in-ring stuff and more outside the ring, run-ins, craziness. It's going to be sports entertainment to the max. Batista is a megastar at this point in Hollywood, and he shows up, and he's cut some great promos on TV, and I think this is going to be a really good match. But all you got to do to make people happy tonight, and WWE does a really poor job these days of making people happy, is give them what they want. Becky Lynch wins. Kofi Kingston wins. The rest of it, you can do whatever it is that you want. No one's going to be upset if Randy Orton beats AJ Styles or Drew McIntyre beats Roman Reigns or, or some of these other matches. You'll like who you like, but the things that you can screw up is not putting Becky Lynch over and not putting Kofi Kingston over. If you do one of the two, you'll probably be fine. If you do none of the two, you have really screwed the pooch and you're going to get booed and people are going to be angry. Let people go home happy tonight. That's the key. There's a bunch of dumb rumors about Ronda Rousey not wanting to be pinned or submit to Becky Lynch. That's what they are, dumb rumors. Becky has been the pick now for four or five months. They haven't booked it right. They've made it super convoluted. I told you less is more. That's true in storylines in pro wrestling, in lengths in movies, and yes, in how much football we actually need in our lives. Less is more. 
that three hour and 40 minute movie that you can't wait to see then you get there and you're like man how long is this thing gonna go it's not because i'm getting older that i don't have quite as long an attention span it's because people can't tell coherent stories nearly as well the fact that there's a cutting room floor exists because some stuff you can just leave out wrestlemania used to be a three-hour show then it became a four-hour show now because wwe wants to tell stockholders hey we're watching more this year than ever before on the network this show is going to run with pre-show from four o'clock where i'm at five o'clock actually eastern to midnight that's too long that crowd's going to be tired hopefully they still have some energy left by the time they get to this main event luckily becky and ronda are going to sell it people that don't want charlotte in it are probably going to change their minds in terms of charlotte's going to make the match better we may still get becky and ronda in a one-on-one next month there's also a possibility ronda's going to walk away she wants to start a family with travis brown and have a child and then maybe come back in several months after that point she'll be viable when she comes back this will be good i think wrestlemania will turn out to be a better show than most expect because the expectations are lower than they've been in a long time and it's real easy sometimes to set a bar low and clear it than to have a really high bar and then not hit it so i think we're actually going to be pretty pleased with this and we will be talking positively about wwe and not just nxt who ripped the house down last night with their takeover event as they always do nxt makes you love wrestling matches wwe sometimes makes you hate them tonight i think wwe is going to do a good job you can follow me on twitter at jmartzone i will have live analysis and commentary all night long we'll be right back to finish up the jason martin show next here on box sports radio you just made the list live from the geico fox sports radio studios polishing off another one jason martin show here on fsr I'm Jason Martin, blessed beyond measure. Hope you recognize that you are as well. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Brian No, Andy Furman, two good dudes coming up next here on FSR. Dwayne Wade, this is interesting. I've said the word interesting a lot tonight. It's because things are interesting. And I'm hopefully able to make them interesting. But Dwayne Wade went on the jump with Rachel Nichols. And he told Rachel Nichols something that, you know, I think that we probably all know if we've watched sports long enough, but it's fascinating for somebody to say this out loud. Dwayne Wade told Rachel Nichols that he's going to try therapy after this season to try and cope and deal with his post-playing life. He's going to go to therapy to try to just sort of rationalize it and be okay mentally with his retirement. You remember the Shawshank Redemption and Red when Morgan Freeman's character got out and you know and you hear these stories a lot. People get out of prison and they've been in prison for a long time and they don't know what to do with their lives. My dad when he retired a few years ago from the job he had held for such a long period of time. And I was so proud of him for, for all he had accomplished and all he had allowed for, for me and for mom. You know, he was so blessed to have a, a father that worked as hard as he did to give us what he gave us. And when he retired, 
he ended up trying to find another just small job to make a little money, not because the family needed money at that point in time, but because he didn't know what to do with his time. He was getting tired of doing crossword puzzles 12 hours a day. So so you think about Dwayne Wade and you think about these athletes and you start to wonder, oh, why won't they retire? Why did Jordan play for the Wizards? Why did Montana go elsewhere? You know, why did all these guys not retire before they did? Why do we see Brett Favre in a Jets uniform? Stuff like that. And I think the answer, if we boil it down, is that's all these dudes know. I mean, Dwayne Wade played basketball at Marquette as a kid, basically. Became an adult playing basketball. That's the only job he's ever had, is playing basketball. That's all he knows. That's his entire identity, I would say, in many respects. I mean, he's married to Gabrielle Union, and good on him for that. And he's done a lot of good in his life, and I know that he has things that he wants. And he even says, look, I got goals and things that I want to do. But I don't think that we take into account how athletes compartmentalize the rest of their lives when all they know is the sport that they play. And then you think about Tom Brady saying he wants to play football until he's 45, for example. Of course he does. What else does Tom Brady know to do? I mean, he can go do hug ads, or he can go do bad April Fool's jokes on Twitter, or he can go be with his, be with his family, but he's already got his family. What's he going to do to pass the time? And so Dwayne Wade telling Rachel Nichols, I'm going to go to therapy to try and cope with retirement. He hadn't even retired yet, and he already knows this is going to be a difficult life transition. I don't think that we appreciate just how much tunnel vision goes into a lot of these athletes. And I think that it it absolutely does explain why so many of them hang on too long. And we end up seeing them as like a quarter of a shell, of another shell, of who they could be. Now, Dwayne Wade still has a couple of good games in him, and it's really cool that we're getting this farewell tour. But I can understand why Dwayne Wade's played as long as he has. I can understand why Jordan played as long as he has. They hold on, not just because of the stardom, but because they don't know what the hell they're going to do afterwards. But Dwayne Wade seems like he's making decisions already that are going to behoove him well, that are going to work for him well. So good for Dwayne Wade, knowing that this is going to be tough. We'll see you next week. Jason Martin Show, thanks. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 